0: Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. Beatitudes. We're in Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5. In verse one, we've been in this series now for three weeks, and it says, now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit. We talked about that week one. And then he says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. We talked about that last week, for they will be comforted. And then verse five is what we'll talk about today. It says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I want to talk to you today about blessed are the meek today. And I believe this. I believe that God just called us to be a people that live in meekness, that live Before I dive into this, I've said it the first two weeks, I'll say it every week probably, but really a couple things about the Beatitudes. One, every single one of them starts with the word blessed. The word blessed is not like you and I think with hashtag blessed meaning we're rich. The word blessed here in in the translation really means happy. And not circumstantial happiness like you and I have when we, we get something that we enjoy and we are, we're happy because of it. But really, this term happy means an internal joy that comes from nothing circumstantial. It's something that I have. It's an internal joy that no matter what the circumstance or outward thing that's happening around me, I have a joy. And so this is what he's talking about. He says, blessed are those happier. There's this internal joy to those that are Dot, dot, dot. And so we'll talk about that. And then it also at each one of them, if you go back to verse five for me, it says blessed are those who are meek. And then it says, it says uh, for they will inherit the earth. Each one of them has for they will or for theirs. Like there's something we can obtain. So not only is it that we're happy and we have internal joy because of them, there's something that we can receive from this this thing, these these things, these beatitudes that we have. And so I want to talk to you today about blessed are the meek. In Matthew chapter five and verse five in a different translation, I just wanna show you this one. I loved this translation. It says, you're blessed when you're content with just who you are, no more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself, check this out, proud owners of everything that can't be bought. That you would become proud owners of everything that can't be bought. I love that. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. Before I do, I want to dive into meekness just for a moment. And I want to say this, meekness in our world, in our day, in our age, in our culture, the term meek really is, is the concept of the thought process of being timid of being nervous, of being scared, like, oh, they're meek, oh, they're kinda quiet and they're just to themselves, but really that is not what meekness is. Meekness is not weakness. Weakness is, meekness is actually strength. And so we have this concept of what meekness is, 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 is can be this tim- this person who's intimidated and so they're meek and they're in the corner or they're hanging out, but they're just quiet to themselves and, and kind of smile. Oh, they were meek. No, but meekness is really, it's not a weakness, but really it's power with self-control. It's a power under control control. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but really I love the term meekness because here's what we know. Meekness really is the concept of who Jesus was. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29, it says, take my yoke upon you. We all know this scripture. We've heard it before and learn from me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. It says, come to me, take your yoke upon, take my yoke upon you because I am meek and lowly of heart. Now, here's what we know about meekness. Meekness really is not just humility. Sometimes we can think meekness and humility is exact same things, but it is. It is. They have a lot of times in the scriptures where they they coexist. They're together. But meekness and humility. Let me explain the difference. Humility is really how I see myself. Meekness is uh, humility, excuse me, is how you see yourself. It's humility, okay? I see myself as I know that I'm not someone who thinks that they are greater than someone else because of anything in the, on this planet. It's not because I'm a better Christian. It's not because I'm a better, I have more money or I have less money. I I'm, I'm hu- have humility or I'm humble because I understand it's the way I see myself and I know I see others greater than myself. Does that make sense? And so that's what humility is. But really, meekness is an ad on to humility okay it is definitely yes it's the way we see ourselves and walking in humility but also meekness is then also the way that i respond to you it's my behavior towards you so yes it's the way i see myself but it's also my behavior and my response to you it's your the way you see yourself but it's also the behavior it's an add-on Come on, dads in the room. We're talking about dads today. You know, we like add-ons when we go to the store. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, put the little turkey Yeah, put a little roast beef. Yeah, yeah put a little more lettuce. A little, but give me some extra cheese. You know what I'm saying? We like add-ons. Come on, somebody. And here's what it is. This is what meekness is. It's this addition to it's It's humility, yes, but it's also, it goes beyond just humility. It's not just the way I see myself, but it's also the way that I'm responding to you. And this is who Jesus was. He walked in humility, but he responded to us because he loved us. He he gave himself for us, and I want to show it to you in Philippians chapter two and verse three, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. You know, I see this, I love it, because he starts with walking humility, valuing others. It's it's not just being humble, walk in humility, but then also value others. And this is what we see, really, meekness is valuing others. Meekness is valuing. I love the concept of value, because here's what we know. We can oftentimes in our lives feel like By the way that we do things or the way that we think about things, it determines our value. But the the incredible thing about the God that we serve is he does not respond to us or value us based on what we do or say or think. He values us because he loves us. He values us because it's his nature. And so as humans, we should be the same where we say, okay, I wanna value others around me, not based on myself and what I think value should be, but I want it to go above myself. I love that Jesus does not put value as a price tag. There's no price tag on that. Y'all know you go to the store, you're looking at something. The first thing you wanna do is you wanna look for the price tag. And then you determine in your mind, is it valuable enough? Does it worth the value of what I'm about to spend on what they're asking for this? You know what I'm saying? You go to the store and you look at something and maybe it's a piece of furniture and you're like, oh my gosh, two years ago, I would have paid twice, three times less than that. It's not the value of that's not worth whatever the, the cost of the price is. And here's the great thing about the God that we serve. You and I, he loves us so much that he's not put a limit on our value. In fact, he gave everything for you and I. There's no limit to our value. We were just recently, Ashley and I, uh, for our anniversary, we went to a water park just a day. We just spent the day at a water park, and we were floating around the Lazy River. Y'all know what I'm saying. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying. People can get on the slides. They'd be screaming, just put me on a tube in the Lazy River. Y'all know what I'm saying. I'm floating down. I'm thinking, singing songs in my head and living life. And Ashley's floating, we're floating along, and we're holding on each other's tubes, and we're kind of just floating along. And Ashley's like, I guess she saw me going in a deep thought. And she says, what are you thinking about? And she's probably thinking, I'm thinking about all the great years that we've been married and how beautiful she is and how incredible of a wife she is, which is all true. I say, well, you know what I'm really thinking about? I'm thinking about, what do you think these people spend on a water bill once a month? I was floating down the river and I looked at the water and I think, man, my water bill is high and I don't have a thing like this. And look at the slide, they're just constantly going, water is constantly being poured. Think of the water bill. (laughs) Ashley turns around, doesn't doesn't even take a second, doesn't even take an ounce of a second to think, the response she says, that's the most dead thing you could ever say. Come on, dad, y'all know what I'm saying. We go somewhere and we look around, you're like, man, we're in an arena. Everybody's celebrating their team, and we're thinking, man, what's the electric bill like in this place? <laughs> we go to a nice golf course. Everybody's thinking about how beautiful the course is. We're thinking, man, what's the upkeep like? What we're doing is we're putting a price on the value of what we see because that's what dads do. Come on, somebody. But here's the thing. God, in his so great love for us, he said, I'm not going to put a value on you because you're priceless. And the thing that we should do is we should do the same for one another. I love the scripture. It says it right here. We read it in verse, in verse 4. It says, no, verse 3, excuse me. Do not, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I love that he doesn't say a value others three times. He doesn't say value others until you get tired of them. Value others until they make you mad. Value others until they say something offensive. No, he says value others above yourself. Why? Because he knows how much we value us. Just me, I just value me. Okay, I'll be the only one. Self-care, hello, I value myself. We value ourselves so much so that, 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 that he knew this and he says, listen, I want you to know, I want you to value others around you more. Why? Because this, me- this is what meekness look like, looks like. It's not just I'm walking in humility and thinking less of myself. No, it's I'm also saying, okay, I wanna think less of myself, but then I also wanna value those around me and not putting a limit on them. Oftentimes we have conditional value on this planet. You offend me, guess what? I'm not going to value you. You're going to respond negatively to me. You're going to post something negative about me or something I don't agree with. My value for you drops. That is not who God has called us or created us to be. He has called us to say, I want to value above myself. Whether I agree with you or I don't. This is what meekness is. And this is why he says, blessed are the meek. Happy joy comes to those who are meek, those who truly value others above themselves. How do you really value others above themselves? One, you can appreciate them. Verbally appreciating people around you that you value. For those that have dads in the room, I'll encourage you, verbally express your value for him. We're celebrating dads today. Listen, yes, I want want you to value everybody. I want you to appreciate everybody. But how are you verbally appreciating? Because here's what I know. Appreciation is only so much appreciation when it's not spoken. There's a different level of appreciation when you speak it out and you say, hey, dad, I want you to know I'm grateful for you. I've seen all the things you've done for me and I've seen how you've taken care of our family. How are we appreciating one another? How do we do it? How do we continue to walk in, and value one another? One, another way relationally is by not trying to control one another. We live in a culture and a society where everybody's trying to control. I want you to do what I want you to do and I want you to think the way I want you to think and I want you to believe what I want you to believe and I want you to fit in this box and if you don't, then you're outside of that box and now your value has decreased because I look at you differently because of something in your life. No, God wants us to say, okay, no matter what, you believe. No matter what you look like, I'm going to value you because I understand that God has created you and he loves you just as much as he loves me. We are a, cult, we're a church that believes in being a multicultural church. We believe in valuing one another, not because of our race, but because we're all children of God. Not because of the way that we look and our backgrounds. No, no that doesn't matter. What matters is that we understand that we're all Children of God. And this is really countercultural. Countercultural, it, it, uh, culturally it's this concept of, okay, find the people that kinda fit your niche and then from fitting your niche, then you kinda stay with your people and that's the people you really value and you really appreciate. But God and Jesus, he went outside of his niche because if that's the case, he would have never, never died for us. The Bible says, yet while we were enemies of God, he chose to love us and die for us. While we were still sinners, and so we can, we can love one another and value one another with respect, with being honest with one another, with being interested in, in one another's lives, with being present. Come on, somebody. With being present in the moment. You know, somebody told me the other day, it was kind of mind-blowing, kind of shook me a little bit. They said, you know, the, when your child is born, you really the countdown is begun gun, and you really only have 18 of whatever it is. So you only have 18 Father's Day's until your child is graduating and moving on. Now, Some of you have children that are older than that. You have more Father's Days, yes. But while they're in in the home, you have 18 of those. And so here's the thing is taking the moments and valuing and being present in the moment that you are in. You know, one of the things I've been doing, and I would encourage you to do this, and this is so practical, and this is literally just one of the, uh, you don't have to do this, but what I've been doing is I actually deleted the apps off of my home screen. And so you have to type in the search of my phone to find like ESPN, okay? I'll just be vulnerable. ESPN, I look at ESPN a lot, okay? Praise God, I look at the stats and I look at the games probably too much. Come on, somebody. That being said, I deleted it off of my home screen. And so now if I want to look at ESPN, I have to type in the search to find the app. And then I can go to it. I didn't delete it off of my phone, but I deleted it off of my home screen. And you would be shocked at how much you stop yourself from just, just, just randomly going to it because it's just random and because you're just not thinking about things, you just do it. And so I, it's been incredible for me personally as far as that goes of where I've been just able to just not, okay, I'm not gonna waste my time on that and I do go do something else. And so I would encourage you in your life, be present. The phones, and I know we had a whole message about phones, not a whole message, but a lot of messages of, of phones a couple of weeks ago. And I, I, so I'm not gonna get real deep into it, but I do know that the enemy tries to distract us from really valuing one another and being present in the moment. Here's what I know. And you're like, oh, it has nothing to do with value valuing. Somebody's importance texting me. Well, here's how I know it's about value because in what we're doing, because here's what we do. If you, the number one person in your mind, if you could think the number one person you would like to meet and spend an hour with, the one person, if you could think of the one person that's alive today, everybody's like, Jesus. Okay, yeah, I understand Jesus. You wanna spend an hour with Jesus. Well, you can not spend an hour with Jesus, but that's a whole other message for a whole other time. But if you could spend one hour with somebody in your life today that you, you may be a famous person you love, a sports athlete, maybe a president, maybe a past president, I don't know, somebody that you, you say, I would love to spend an hour with, how do, I, how do I know it's about value? Because if you got an hour with that person, you wouldn't look at your phone. You would be engaged and present. Why? Because you know the value of the conversation and getting the opportunity to be with whatever person that is. It's the same thing with us relationally. Like, oh, well, I'm with my spouse all the time. It's all good. Yeah, that's true. And that's totally fine to have time where you're on your phone. But are you spending time while you're present valuing your spouse where you say the phone doesn't exist right now? Are you being present with your family, students in the room, when you're your parents and you're at their house and they're eating and you're scrolling the whole time and they're asking you questions and you're just on your phone, you're texting and goofing off. Are you being present? Because here's what I know. It's showing you what you value and it's showing others around you what you value. And so it's important that we would take time. Oh, well, that's just the culture today. Exactly. This is countercultural. It's, it's a meekness, it's saying I'm gonna take time, I'm gonna show God, I'm gonna show others around me, one, that I value God, but then two, that I value others around me in my life. Same thing with our relationship with God. As we pray, as we read, as we study, are we so distracted with things going on that we're not valuing time with him? How are we valuing those around us? Meekness truly values. Philippians chapter two and verse five, it's, and says in your relationships with one another had the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God, something to be used to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He, he by taking the very nature of a servant, meekness is valuing, but also meekness is serving. Meekness is serving God. Jesus was one who was meek. He said, "I am meek," and he valued others. He valued us, but he also he came. The Bible says, "Not to be served, but to serve others." He came as a servant. And you may say, "Oh, come on, not another serving message." Oh, we know we're supposed to serve. And here's the thing: serving is really the culture of the kingdom. And so it has to constantly be talked about because it's the culture of really the kingdom of God. The counterculture and the culture of our world is really to be served. And so we have to always be reminded of, I'm here not to be served in my relationships, but to serve others. I'm here and I'm in relationship with God, not for him to serve me in my needs, but for me to serve him. Serving is such an important part of the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 30, it says, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Many who are first will be last and last will be first. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 23, it says, and his, his, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. When we get to heaven one day when we pass on this life the Bible says that these are the words that if you believe and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord of your life and you believe in him, the Bible says that these are the words we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. He doesn't say well done, good and faithful pastor. He doesn't say well done, good and faithful uh, construction worker. He doesn't say well done, good and faithful uh, father or well done, good and faithful mother or well done, good and faithful child or well done, good faithful servant, uh, student or well done, he says well done, good and faithful Servant. Why? Because serving is a part of the kingdom. And I say it all the time, and you've probably heard me say this before, but the last shall be first and the first shall be last. But really, uh, the first will be last and the last will be first. And really, to, to, if you're too big to serve, you're probably too small to lead. And I believe that. I believe that, that we are called. There is no position that we reach that outgrows serving. There's no status amount of money that we should reach that we think now we're above serving. See, in our culture, again, this is why it's counterculture. In our culture, we reach a status where we think now others serve me. Because, and again, that may be the case. You, you may have others working for you. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is we get to the place of where we think that we no longer need to serve. Now others just serve me. No, I would say the more we have, the more we should serve. The, 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 the higher in position we are in, the more we should serve. Why? Because now we are influences to those around us. And the influence should always be the culture of the kingdom, which is serving. How are you serving your family? How are you serving your spouse? How are you serving your dad? How are you taking moments out of your life to serve others around you? We as a church, y'all know, we believe in serving. We're doing backpack to school just in a couple weeks and we believe in serving our community. We wanna be a church that is not just come, sit, learn, laugh, feel good and leave. We wanna be a church that builds, grows together and goes out and is the hands and feet of Jesus in our community and our world by serving others around us, being a big deal in the kingdom of God is not having a bunch of money. Being a big deal in the kingdom of God is not having five million followers. Being a big deal in the kingdom of God is not fortune. It's not a position or a status in our culture. Really, that's what a big deal is. It's somebody that is known and somebody that wins championships or someone who is famous or somebody who has a bunch of money. And this is what a big deal is. But the Bible says that the last will be first. And what does that mean? It's not about what I have on this planet that makes me a big deal in the kingdom. What makes us big deals in the kingdom is those that are willing to serve those around them with the heart of serving in every area of our lives. I believe this. And here's what I know. It's, you know, the the expectation is really, I would say it's pride. The expectation that I'm now called or deserve to be served is pride. Pride that I'm in a position now that I deserve to be served. I'm my spouse now, Deserves I deserve to be served by my spouse. My children should serve me. We, it, this expectation of thinking the, the status or the position or the place that we are in in life deserves being served is really pride. And the Bible says that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so for us, it's important to say, okay, I wanna always be ones to serve. And I would say this, don't wait to serve. How can you serve your spouse before your spouse says they they need to be served? How can you serve the community before the church creates a serving opportunity event? We create serving opportunities in in our church, not so you can say, okay, the month of March, month of May, month of June, month of August. Okay, I can check my box. I've served this month. We don't, that's not why we do serving events here. The reason why we do serving here events in in this church and on this planet and in this community is so that it would feed your hunger to serve others around you every day. It would ignite something in you and say, oh my gosh, this feels good. I love it. I love going to serving events and people coming to me and they're all hyped. Oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Look at all the people. We're doing so much. And the the point of it is to get you all hyped like that so then that you would go and now I can serve my my people in my work. I can serve my people in my neighborhood. I can serve my family in my home. I can serve, i why. Because there's this joy that comes that I cannot receive when others are serving me that comes when I'm serving others. Why, it's because it's part of meekness. Meekness is one that serves. And with the purpose of serving is what? The purpose of serving is not to gain something. You know, when you invest in something in the natural term, the ROI, many of you know what ROI is if you don't return on investment. But what, what really when we invest something, we're expecting our money to return more to us because that's why we're investing. So I invest in a rental property. If I invest in a rental property, then my return on investment has to be better than what I invest or it's not worth the investment. But see, if we do that with people, I'm gonna serve my family, I'm gonna serve my spouse, and I'm expecting a return. If I don't get the return, then that's not worth serving. See, that's pride. That's not what true serving is. Serving is not a return on investment. That would be pride. That would be I'm serving to gain something from you. Serving is I'm giving something to you. Does that make sense? And so I wanna serve with no expectation because I wanna give you my time. I wanna give you my resources. I wanna give you my love. I wanna give you, this is why we serve in our community. It's not so that we could say, oh, we want everybody to come to our church. No, in fact, most of the places we serve are too far away for people to drive. Why? Because we wanna serve our community with no expectation you say, oh, well, now you gotta come to our church. No, we wanna give to you because we know what God has given to us. It's a meekness that God has given us. And this is what Jesus did for us. He served us with his life. He literally gave his life and he served so that we would know how much we are valued on this planet and in eternity. If we would turn to him, we would spend eternity with him. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 8, very quickly. And being found in appearance of, as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death. On a cross, Meekness is valuing. Meekness is seeking and uh, serving, excuse me, and then meekness is commitment. Meekness is commitment. It says that being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on, his, on the cross. We, we get married. If you do the traditional vows, we have this vow that we all say. It's till death do us part. Till death do us part. And everybody in the audience is, ah oh. till death do us part, it sounds so pretty. But the incredible thing about the God that we serve is he actually walked us out. He said, I'm gonna be so committed to you because I love you that even unto death, I choose you. I choose to love you because you're valuable. This is the incredible thing about the God that we serve. No matter what we do, no matter what we've said, no matter where we've been, he will always choose to love us, why? Because even unto death in the death of a cross, he said, I'm committed to you. God is a God who is committed to us, and we, in return, God desires for us to be a people that are commitment, committed. Meekness is commitment. We are living in a culture, in a day, in an age where commitment really doesn't exist. Commitment is this. Do it until you feel like not doing it anymore, and then move on. We do it with our jobs. We do it in our marriages. And if you've been through a divorce, I'm not picking on you. That's not what I'm saying. We do it with it. We do it in our, our lifestyles and we do it with it. We do it at the gym. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? You feel it for a week, next week. You know, I don't feel like doing this anymore. See you later. I shouldn't have signed a year contract. But God has called us to be a people that walk in meekness, that are committed to one another, that we would commit and say, you know what? Even in your bad days, I'm here for you. On your good days, I'm celebrating with you. But on your tough days, on your days when you're in the ditch, I'm here for you. And I'm not just staying away. I'm staying five feet away and saying, oh, brother, I'll pray for you. No, I want to be committed to walking in relationship with you, to help you, to encourage you. And you do the same for me so that we could walk together because God desires for us to be a people who are committed. He desires for us to be a people that are committed to him. We can so quickly get caught up in our feelings and we get caught up in a, we're not feeling God today or we're not hearing God today or you know maybe this God thing's not for me and we can base our commitments on what we feel when really that is not what commitment is. Commitment goes way beyond our feelings. It's a choice that says, no matter what I feel, I choose you. And this is what Jesus did for us. That he said, no matter what the feeling was, could you imagine the feeling of being on a cross beaten to a pulp, and he's thinking of you. Well, what do you mean he's thinking of me? I don't serve him. I don't follow him. I don't know him. I, I, I don't really even go to church, or maybe you do go to church. And What do you mean he's thinking of you? Hey, yeah, hey, that was 2,000-something years ago. How would he be thinking of me? Because God loves us so much. The Bible says that he gave his life, choosing to be committed to us, even unto death. We are living in a society and a culture where really, I believe this, if you really want a healthy relationship with your spouse, with your significant other, if you really want a healthy relationship, it starts with commitment. And commitment goes beyond the way you feel on the tough days. Commitment goes beyond what they do on their tough days or what they say on their tough days. C- commitment is, I'm gonna choose you because I know I love you and I care for you. Now, when I talk about commitment, very quickly, and I said this before, but I wanna say it again. Commitment does not mean abuse. I know people who say, well, they just love me and I love them and they're being abused. and like, oh, I'm just, I gotta be committed to them. That's not what we're talking about. That is not of God. In fact, if you are walking through a situation like that, I would love to talk with you. We can keep it between us and I would love to walk with you through that situation because that is not the situation God wants you in. God cares for you. Can I get an amen from somebody? Please, thank you. And God cares for you. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is that we get in our our flowy feelings of where we're just floating around. That's what we think sometimes meekness is. is It's just just flowing. Oh, we're just being so gentle with everyone and we're so kind with everyone. And just yay, and I'm gonna sit in my corner and let you do what you want over there and just yay. But no, meekness is power under control. It's saying even when I'm feeling it, even when I'm not, I'm gonna choose to be committed to you because that's what Christ did for me. I'm gonna walk that out, I'm gonna live that. And then I love in 2 Chronicles, we read it last week, but I wanna show it to you again. Chapter seven and verse 14, it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked, wicked ways. It says, humble themselves, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Part of commitment is refraining from. Okay, when Ashley and I got married, I committed my life to Ashley, okay? I'm making the commitment. I'm gonna choose to love you. But by choosing to love you, now I'm choosing to decommit to other things in this, in this world. I'm choosing to decommit. Y'all know young, young people, they're committing and decommitting all over at the universities. And all this, and like one day, you're like, oh, they're committed. Woo! Next thing you know, you're like, oh, they're decommitted. Oh. And it's like, it's just up and down. But when we commit, in marriage, or we commit to God, what we're doing is we're saying, okay, yes, I'm committing to give you my life, but I'm also saying I'm letting go of every other relationship like this. Why? Because I'm choosing you over these relationships. This is where people get kind of off with when it comes to, to works, and when it comes to, to faith, and what happens is they think, oh, well, I, I love you, but you know, it is what it is. Like, I'm choosing you, but but God wants me to have fun, and God wants me, God wants me to, be to enjoy myself. Yes, that's true. God does want you to love your life and have fun but here's the thing he wants you to do that within the boundaries of the relationship and what you're choosing to Does that make sense? And so, from that, now what I'm doing is I'm saying these things. He says, "Turn from your wicked ways." I'm turning from these things. I'm giving these. I'm refraining from these things, not because God doesn't love me, not because God doesn't want me to have a good time. In fact, I think God tells us to refrain from those things because He's kind of trying to protect us because He knows the hurt that those things bring, and He wants us to remain committed because there's a joy that comes from it. Committing to one another means refraining from certain things in your life. This is what God has asked us to do. People are like, oh, well, God, he just always asking me. I'm always being told I can't do this and I can't do that. No, you're looking at it with the wrong perspective. You're looking at it in a regular, in a relationship of regulations and rules. No, you should be looking at it as a relationship of love. And because God loved me so much, I and now I can t- return my love. Now I choose to let go of certain aspects of my life because I know that his life for me is greater than any of those things that could bring to me, that I could bring to myself. It's refraining from. He says, I love the scripture. Blessed are those who are meek because they will inherit the earth. What does that mean? What are you talking about? How does it work? How, how could you inherit the earth? Does that mean like we own the world? Like, yeah, we own the world. That's not what he's talking about. Again, I'll read it to you in Matthew chapter five and verse five in the translation of the message that we read earlier. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourself proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Blessed are those who value others. Blessed are those who serve and blessed are those who are committed. Why? Because they will find themselves in a place where they are owning things that they never could buy. And what are those things? They're healthy relationships the relationships around us that we can look at and we have these deep friendships and we have these deep relationships with our spouse and our children it's why because we're choosing to live in meekness which is what it's serving it's valuing and it's being committed no matter what and from that we find ourselves having this eternal joy that comes even though other people are walking through the same things and they're not walking through joy even though they're we're walking through the same job opportunities and people are frustrated and nervous and and scared and And stressed out and we're walking with joy. Why? Because we know that there's something greater on this planet than those things and that is deep relationships with one another. And we inherit those by valuing one another. We inherit those by serving one another. And we inherit those by committing ourselves to one another. And I love this because this is what Jesus did for us. And when we return that to him, We return our value for him. We say, God, you're first. We begin to serve him with our lives. We say, God, my life is not mine. It's yours. I want to serve you with my life. And then we also commit our lives to him. Here's what happens. We walk in a healthy relationship with him as well. And then it becomes less about the rules. It's not about how many times you read your Bible. It's not how many times you pray today. It's about this relationship of me valuing him and committing my life to him and serving him. And now he brings this joy that I could not find on this planet without him. Blessed are those who are meek. Why? Because they'll inherit the earth. They will find things on this planet that no money could buy. And I don't know about you, but I want some stuff nobody can buy. Come on, somebody. We do this by living a life of meekness. Amen. Can we pray?